Hi there, welcome back to Sunday School. I'm Mike Stedham. This week we're back in the Book of Romans, one of the best-known books of the Bible, certainly one of the best-known books in the New Testament. Uh, and of course it is uh, considered by many people to be the masterpiece of the Apostle Paul, the book that lays out his vision of Christianity. It explains to us what he thinks about Christianity, what Christianity means to us as individuals, and how we are to live Christian lives. And Paul, in the particular verses we're going to look at today, writes some of the most comforting words that a Christian can hear. Now, I don't know about you, but when I have a big decision to make, oftentimes I'll take a piece of paper and put down the pros and cons of doing something. Um, I know it, it seems like a fairly simplistic way of looking at it, but really sometimes uh, when you start making a list like that, one side will be decidedly longer than the other, and so the decision can be made a little bit easier. Also, the importance of the things that you write down. You may have a lot of things on one side, but only one or two on the other, but those one or two things may be so important that it helps you make a decision. Well, what is the decision that Paul is looking at? What is he talking about? Well, he's talking about living the Christian life. And he talks about the benefits of being a Christian. We're in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans today. We're going to look at the last portion of this particular chapter. Now, so much of the book of Romans is so familiar to us because we've heard these verses over and over again. In fact, we're going to begin our reading today with a portion that comes right after one of the most misquoted uh, portions of the book of Romans, where uh, Paul tells us that all things work together for good for those that love the Lord, not that everything that happens to those of us who love the Lord is good, as people sometimes will try to tell us, but that uh, he has a more holistic view of the way life works, and uh, he's not making promises uh, that reality doesn't keep for us. But he is explaining how important it is uh, that we live the Christian life, that we uh, worship God, and the benefits of doing that. So what we're going to do is, after we are through all of this, uh, he really puts a, a cap on it. We're going to begin reading with the 31st verse of the 8th chapter of Romans. I'm just going to read the whole thing to you right now. Then we'll go back and discuss it. But before this, the things that he is talking about, the response that we are having, is to the benefits that God has promised us, the blessings of living the Christian life. And that's what he begins talking about. We're going to begin reading with verse 31. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how he will not also, along with him, graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, 
For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. One of the reasons I wanted to read those verses uh, before I talked about them, instead of sort of reading one and discussing it, as I oftentimes do, is just the beauty of the language. Paul was not a poet, but sometimes he could really put words together in a beautiful way. And, and this is one of his uh, really one of his masterpieces when he uh, talks about this, about how uh, we cannot be separated from the love of God. This is the final thing that we would put down if we were doing the pros and cons. This is the big one. This is the one, this is the promise that God makes, that God will be with us, that we cannot be separated from God uh, in this way, that there's no power in all of creation that is strong enough to take us away from this. Now at the beginning, in verse 32, he talks about God who did not spare his own son. And of course, for those of us who uh, have read the Hebrew Bible and are familiar with the story of Abraham, we're familiar with the story of the test that Abraham was put into as God asked him to sacrifice his son Isaac. Now that particular story in the Hebrew Bible is seen by many scholars as a very strict uh, argument against child sacrifice, human sacrifice of any kind, which is something that uh, other uh, religious uh, groups around at the time had actually been practicing. And, and so uh, God is definitely putting uh, the, the condemnation against that. So we think about the, the problem, the dilemma that Abraham faced and we talk about now God being put in the position, not of, a, not of being God making the decision uh, of, of this, but really being put in the position of Abraham and being willing to sacrifice his own son for us. And so uh, Paul, of course, very familiar with that story, would have had those overtones as he looks at this. And, and his way of explaining that God is willing to give us what we need. And then he raises several questions here. Now, these are rhetorical questions. We are supposed to, in our own minds, supply some of the answers. In a few of the other cases, Paul answers them for us very emphatically. But basically, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who can accuse us of anything and make the accusation stick if God is on our side? If Jesus is by God's side, as Paul puts it here, interceding for us, making the case for us, arguing in our behalf. If this is the person arguing for us with the eternal judge, there's no way we can lose this case. No one can condemn us if Jesus is making this argument for us. And then we talk about being separated from the love of God, from the love of Christ. Now, these words that he uses here, Paul is known for making lists. He does that in a lot of his 
letters. He talks about things and he basically puts things into a list. And the possible things that would separate the Christian from the love of Christ. And these are not just abstract ideas. Each and every one of these things is something that Paul was intimately familiar with because these were realities in the first century. This was the world in which he lived. Look at the things he talks about. Well, what will separate us? Shall trouble? Well, certainly uh, Paul knew more than his share of trouble. He was run out of many towns, uh, basically just in front of a squad trying to stone him to death for what they saw as heresy. Hardship. Well, uh, living the nomadic life that Paul did lead, he was constantly having to go from town to town to find a place to live, to people to talk to. Uh, persecution. Now, this is something that we don't experience in the same way today, obviously, in the United States. Uh, Christians, we are thankful for this, don't face the kind of persecution that uh, the Christians did at the time, or Christians indeed may face in other parts of the world today. But the persecution that Paul faced was very real. Uh, not long after uh, the death of Christ uh, and the, uh, the rise of the church, uh, the Roman government started to take notice of it. And uh, by the end of the first century, there was an active campaign to eliminate this new uh, religion, which uh, actually was seen by the Romans as being just a sect of the Jews at first. Uh, so there was the real thing. Persecution was a real thing. Christians were being fed to lions, those kind of terrible things happening. This is not just, again, a, a, a concept that he's putting out there. This is a reality that he would have seen. Famine. Well, certainly in the world of the first century, uh, farming techniques were not nearly as advanced as today. Things like irrigation, they knew about them, but uh, certainly famines could come and, and were a much more uh, real threat to many of the people in the first century. Or nakedness. Uh, in this sense, being powerless. Uh, certainly the people who were living in the Roman Empire uh, they didn't have a second amendment. They didn't have a right to bear swords. Uh, the Romans are the ones who had the weapons. And so uh, they were defenseless in this case, or danger or sword. So in this case, he gets even more specific. But those three, to me, go together. Because the Christians were not a militaristic group. Uh, we are not going to become conquerors uh, in that sense, and they certainly were not in, in the sense uh, in the first century either. They were defenseless in terms of their human capacity to fight off the Romans and the soldiers who would come to take them away for persecution. Uh, then he quotes uh, from the uh, Hebrew Bible, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now, of course, in our belief system. It is indeed the sheep who was sacrificed, uh, the Lamb of God, Jesus, who conquers that way. So the view that Paul has here is, is quite traditional as far as the Christian religion goes. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, being a conqueror, uh, even today, we, we want to, uh, our 
the, the people that, that we support, our sports teams, people like that, winning is always seen as a good thing. So being a conqueror or a winner would have been the ultimate reward for many people in Jesus' day and Paul's day, just as it is today. But Paul, in the category of good things about living a Christian life, has something even better than being a conqueror. We are more than conquerors because we have a promise that winning a mere physical battle does not give you. Because one of the things about being a conqueror is that uh, you may be a conqueror this week, and next week you will be the conquered, the one who loses the battle. The physical items that we can have today that we can win can be lost uh, very easily, very simply. But we have something that we can't lose. And now Paul has another list for us. The things that humans... Uh, might fear as things that might take away the relationship humans have with God, but they can't do it. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, in other words, the final end of life, or even the trials of life itself, neither angels nor demons, because again, in the first century, there was a belief in these supernatural beings, uh, just as we have talked about the angels helping us uh, they also had a belief in demons. Oftentimes, we, these were manifestations of mental illness, things like that. But the, in the world of Paul, they, they, he saw them as being real spiritual beings that would harm humans. Neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nothing physical can do this. Neither height nor depth. And many scholars believe he's talking about heaven and hell, the, the greatest distances that we could travel away from where God is, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So even though we see the world very differently today than many did in Paul's day, we still can relate to the promise that he gives us, that we also have this promise that was made to the early church, that even as they faced these very real threats to their lives, to their livelihoods, uh, to being taken away to prison, to face these very real dangers, those things could not separate the Christian from the love of God. And we have that promise with us today. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, we are so thankful to you for giving us the promise that you will be with us no matter what happens, no matter what troubles or trials we go through, you have promised that you will be there for us when we need you. Thank you so much for that. Help us to share your promise, your love, with all of those around us this week. In Christ's name, amen.